0: You're listening to Inspiration for Ministry, a podcast by Newbold that supports students who are taking their ministerial training. Now, some of you might still be considering only the career in ministry. Others are well on the way of reaching their dreams, and some others are maybe still sitting on the fence. No matter your place in this, this program is for you. My name is Daniel Puskas, and I sit down with some amazing people who are going to share parts of their inspiring journeys with us. Hello and welcome back to Inspiration for Ministry. Today we have with us Pastor Paul King-Brown, and he has been pastor in uh, London, especially in the church called London Life for 11 years, and then after that, some year ago, he started a new project, so to say, uh, called The Hub in Watford. So uh, Paul has been uh, working as a pastor for quite a number of years now. And for some of you who are listening or watching, he might be a very familiar face or a voice, so to say. So Paul, thank you very much for being with us today and welcome to New World, at least in virtual environment. No problem at all. Uh, Good to be here, Danilo. Thank you. So, Paul, uh, just a few things before we start with that, so to say, um, uh, part of conversation where we are talking about the ministry. Yes. It's uh, I would love to mention that you have published a book recently, uh, if mm. I'm not mistaken, that it's recent, right? When was that? Yeah, just, just a year, actually. A yeah. yeah. Picking yeah. up the pieces. That's right. So, the book is Picking Up the Pieces, How to Deal with Trauma and Devastation of Infidelity and Betrayal. Yes. Now, I would just love to, to maybe give you an opportunity to say a few things about that for those of, uh, listeners who are maybe interested in getting the book.
1: Yeah, so um, I was divorced. Um, I used to introduce myself as someone who was divorced for uh, 17 years. And um, I was a pastor as well, which was very difficult because my pastor life was this perfect pastor life. But actually inside, I was broken, I was going through a lot of trauma um, through my divorce, didn't know how to be a good parent, a different parent and different issues. And, and I wished that there was somewhere I could go. Um, there was a lot of loneliness, a lot of silence. And so I thought I'd just write, write a book. I'm now married, I have a wonderful wife, and within this context, I was able to sit down and reflect and and, and write a book of what it was like and the things that I would have liked to be there um for anyone for anyone that's going through the same sort of thing so I wrote this book to go through the stages what I went through I obviously did research of and surveys of what everybody and lots of other people went through and tried to and try to be a resource of help there There are lots of resources out there but I just wanted to um, add my um, um,
0: opinion to the to the to the conversation mm. sounds, sounds really important and I believe that that's something that is well, a difficult topic very often especially in the church to, to address yeah, uh, yeah
1: it is but i'm finding that um, there are so many people the thing that's amazing about it is that there are so many people in silence that you don't you would have no idea mm. that are just going through things and just not saying anything and there's a relief in having um having these conversations actually the punchline of the book really is that we are healed in community Um, That there is all these individual things we suffer, but actually, when we come together, when we express, when we share, that there is something that is, um, um, that that is, the weight has come off people where we feel relieved, we feel a freedom, the chains are being broken by, by knowing that there's someone else, um, there's someone else that's going through what we're going through and we can share it. It's a bit like, um, if you, you know, I use an example, I always use the example of imagine. You know, you buy a new car and the new car is a mini, for instance, and suddenly you see just loads of minis, um, you know, but before you had the mini, you didn't see a mini, you know, mm. you didn't see them. And it's a similar to this. It's like in this, you see, it's like you, it's like if someone's tattooed it on their, on their forehead, you can see the pain mm. before I went through this. I didn't see this. Mm. Now I very much see what, my eyes have been open
0: in a very different way. Mm. Well thanks for that and I would just encourage those of you who are listening or watching to this to if you're interested in in, in this type of a topic really to to, to get a book uh, Paul um, I'm just interested maybe if you want to share also when it comes to your ministry at this point um, mm-hmm. what is what is your main focus uh, especially now since you're working uh, on the on the hub uh, and now we are, when we're in a lockdown and all of that would you like to share maybe a little bit what are you well, fo- focusing on yeah
1: let me let me share with you um, about lockdown, and then my ministry ideas will come out through our conversation. Okay. So through lockdown, March fourteenth was the last time we met as a church, um, which seems ages ago, mm. and um, we now on Zoom. Mm. And at the beginning of Zoom, Zoom was a blessing to the world. Um, Fifty weeks or whatever weeks later, you know. I'm zoomed out. Um, You know, we really want people, and we really miss community. So we meet every Sabbath. Um, We meet, and we do. I'm actually personally doing four Bible studies a week, and I'll tell you later why. But as a hub, we do one Bible study, Mm -hmm. a collective Bible study, and also we have a WhatsApp group. So we've used every medium uh, to to actually uh, come together, and it's been a really incredible, beautiful experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I would say to you that we know each other as a church far better. The bonds have been incredible um, the thing that's the thing that 's really powerful in our church if, for people that visit is actually our prayers. Mm-hmm. We have um, lots of we pray a lot more um, it 's actually the biggest part of our service uh, and because of the fact that we meet and it 's more personal and we have time to listen um the level of sharing has been increased so before we'd have maybe generic prayers you know Mm. heal everybody bless everybody see you next week we're now more people are now sharing very individual experiences and we feel together more um connected and involved in each other's lives Mm. so we're not just having the prayer on sabbath we're now having it where people are asking in the week well how are you how's your journey how's your hospital appointment how's this what's going on there's been a lot of grief in our church at the moment Mm -hmm. which has been very difficult and it isn't and it and so and the difficulty is that the people that we love are grieving even if it isn't our own personal family grief It's the people that we care about are grieving Mm -hmm. which means that we grieve because we're family and it's a it's a it's been a very beautiful experience for me as the pastor
0: to watch Mm -hmm. well thanks for sharing that and i believe that many churches are Probably still trying to figure out how to continue with all of this, you know, having that virtual community. Yeah, I think the next stage is yeah. going to be interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all really looking. Uh, is it looking forward
1: to that? or <laughs> just, I think yeah. it is looking forward, but yeah. I think that the difficulty is, is that as much as, and this is a criticism or critic, but uh, it's my idea, mm-hmm. as much as we talk about looking forward, it's as much as I think we want to go back. Mm. And then I think that's, People want to go, we go back, and then maybe then we move forward, when I mm. think that we're moving forward regardless. Mm. Because the same thing, we're going to find out the things that, that were important before aren't important, mm. aren't as important now. Things are going to very much change. Mm. And um, uh, there are people's needs, for instance, in church, which have been very satisfied by this closeness of mm. Zoom, that if it's not satisfied in the in the community, on the meeting of church, where now I'm talking to you like this, Whereas before our relationships were shoulder to shoulder, mm-hmm. I think people won't tolerate the beauty of the relationships that they've built mm-hmm. for this, for the um,
0: for the absence of going back into a building. Mm. So, Paul, uh, basically, the, the the main part of our conversation, so to say, if we can call it like that, because the whole conversation sure, sure, is sure. important, is basically about your experience um, and your philosophy, if it's fair to say, about ministry. So. Uh, That first part of the conversation is uh, aimed at the inspiration. So what is the reason that you would say to the whole world that being faster is like the best thing in the world, so to say? Okay. Because God's with you.
1: I think think because that would be, I know it's a short answer, uh, because you said the best thing in the world Mm. because... Because most pastors don't think it's the best thing in the world. It's the most difficult thing in the world. It's mm. very, it's very, very challenging. The beauty of it is that you're in partnership with God. Mm. Um, that that's that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is just all the things that have I've had some incredible things happen to me. Um, I was I was talking to one of our friends there and today. I don't know whether you remember, but we were actually traveling uh, to Zlatibor. On this day, many, many years ago, because I remember it. it was Women's Day, it's Tihi's it birthday, it. <laughs> and we were traveling to Zlatibol, um, which is a very which for me is a very beautiful experience. Mm. And but there we were dreaming to be pastors and we're dreaming to go into the world and and preach the gospel. And then you then you then as you do it, you get more, it's almost like you're a doctor, and then one day they say to you, okay. You've practised on all these dead bodies. Here's a real one. <laughs> and you're like, oh, dear. Um, but the beautiful thing of it is God, the partnerships you have with God. I started, um, um, I started with Eddie Hippolyte, which was a ministry church, which was church planting. And it was just an incredible experience because we were, we were, I, I came home every day at 11 o'clock in the evening because we were in the community all the time. Uh, the two projects that I wanted to talk to you about today was the um, one that Eddie Hippolyte started, and I, I carried it on, uh, maybe took it to a different stage, where we had basketball in the community. And the whole idea, so when he started, he had this idea that people come and play basketball in the community, and it was, a, and it was in a time when knife crime was heavy. Now, when I tell you that we had a gym and we invited the community and there was a box, and we asked them to put their knives in the box oh. before they played basketball. And if they wouldn't put their knives in the box, they couldn't come in. And they would come in, and there would there'd be a box, and they would literally put their knives in the box, and then they would come here, and then we would start with prayer. We would start with prayer, and we would end with prayer, and it was an incredible experience. Um, because what would happen is that they would come. This was a safe place. This was mm-hmm. this was a safe place where they didn't need their weapons. This was we, you know, we decided that this was a place where God protected me. I didn't have a knife, or anything. No one had knives in here. Was a safe place, and so we would pray, and then we'd go and play basketball. We'd mm-hmm. be very competitive. We'd hit each other a lot. Um, then we would pray afterwards, and then they would take their knives, and then we would pray for them. We would say, listen, anybody want us to pray for anything? Some of them said no, and some would say. Um, you know just pray for me out there and then we would pray for them out there the beautiful thing at the end of the story what is it's still going actually the story is that not one of our people ever got hurt Mm. we never um they may have carried stuff but they we never came in and went okay they got hurt Mm. the beautiful thing about it is this 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 thing probably started about 17 years ago Mm. and a large section of these people are very, very successful people. I know two or three people who were putting knives in, who are now driving around in, um, in massive cars that I could never dream to afford and are very respectable members of the community and contributors to their society, which mm. everybody would have given up on. Mm. But um, I was glad to have been in an environment where um, it was a safe place and we believed in them, and we still believed in them, in, in the potential of them, and they
0: actually came, came to fruition. Mm. Oh. So is it fair to say somehow how, how, how would you put that together? Because you started with that uh, in a way that God is the best thing in, in the ministry, but then you have these encounters with the people that are just I don't know, life changing, so to say. So how do you put that together maybe?
1: Because because the Bible clearly talks about this idea. In the old testament the idea is um they say Let, let's make a sanctuary so we may dwell among them but a the new testament idea is very much that that god is within us that the holy spirit is in you and so wherever you move uh if 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 we just bypass for a second ass it is me that's there or you that's there but there's the attributes of you know when i when i first came to run the basketball ministry i had to pray for i tell people this story quite a i'm six foot two 188 i'm a small basketball player you know in your country that you know they're Two meters and you know, Philip Gravat is an incredible player, they're all very tall. You know, and so I when I played basketball, I was always, you know, fighting and and struggling and maybe not being the nice person and not using the right language. And then I became the pastor who was running this atmosphere. And I was and I really struggled. I was like, dear God, please help me to be to not say not to trash talk and not to swear and not say, what are you doing? Cause I was always talking a little bit too much and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And I prayed for three weeks. Dear God, help me to be a leader. Help me to be example. And I got on the basketball court and someone hit me. And normally I'd be like, ah, and I was like, and I, and I heard my brain go 10, And just that 10 allowed me to go, okay, maybe say the things in my brain, but they mm. didn't come out. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Let's play Let's play and I just saw, and so I truly believe in the spirit of God moving around with us, moving around with us. I was the pastor at London Live. Um, uh, we had a community choir. We'd have this community choir. Um, Karen Ramey and I had an idea for a community choir. Where she was uh, our choir leader. And so I just put adverts in a newspaper at the beginning. That was before the onset of amazing Facebook ads. But then we did just put it in the newspaper uh, put it in different local papers and then all these people would come on Wednesday to sing mm. and none of them are Christians. Um, and then, but the, but it was another safe place. Mm. So then they knew me as pastor Paul at the beginning. Some people said, well, we shouldn't do this. We should just call you Paul. But they went, no, 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 you're pastor Paul. And what I didn't realize was that while we were doing the music, I was also their pastor. Mm. So they would come to pastor. Can we talk to you? Um, I ended up, you know, dedicating their children Um, if there was something happened in their families they have to go around i was i was they chose me to be their Mm. pastor all we were doing at the beginning and we still do was the concerts but Mm. i was i was the person this was a safe place to them they saw the atmosphere and the culture that we were having and what we were doing and they just wanted to be they felt safe wednesdays wednesdays was very much the best part of their lives they would tell Mm. us and so even though we was. I remember one story. There was a girl who um, she was from Czech Republic, and um, she was she came to us and she said, uh, "Pastor, we are. I'm singing. A, I'm singing these gospel songs, but I don't believe in Jesus. When I come to Jesus and the word God, what do I do?" And I was and I was sort of. I mean, I'm I'm quite a flippant person sometimes. So I turned around to her and said, are you enjoying the song? Oh, I love the songs. I love singing. I said, well, when you come to the word Jesus and God, just don't say it. So she went, oh, okay then. Mm -hmm. So she went off and she was singing, singing, singing. And I remember three weeks later, she obviously did say the word God and Jesus. And she was having an engagement with God and she was crying her eyes out. And she came back to me and said, Pastor, these songs are having an amazing effect on my life. These are beautiful. Thank you so much. And that was, and that was, I just saw God move within mm. within it, within within the way we treated people. Mm. Within other people from the church would help me in this ministry, and um, the punchline, or a punchline in a sense, was I was the pastor of London Live at a time where two roads down was Grenfell. Mm-hmm. One of the members of our choir died, Mary Mendy died in in Grenfell, mm-hmm. and then we, the church. Ended up being the centre. The choir ended up being the centre of where people were coming for solace, people were coming for comfort, and coming for support. Mm. And that's why I talk a lot about God. Uh, and I talk, and I love the story of Esther because God positions. And I'm not the pastor of the hub now, but I was then. And maybe God sent me there for just the time as this, if the text would say. Mm. So I think, and whoever's, and the, the new pastor is there, Pastor Lolly, she's going to have her experiences and God is going to position her in places I could never be, but mm. his position, he will do this. And he moves us around. I mean, I I'll tell you a, a, funny, a funny story, which is ridiculous. So um, when Grenfell happened, it was two streets away or two blocks away. So everything was very much centred there. All the churches around were doing everything, but everybody was going to where Grenfell was. And we were a little bit further away. Our church was full, full of stuff. And so in the end, rather than people coming to us, we were resourcing the churches that were closer to it. So every evening after our church closed, I, I was wearing my orange shorts and my duffel bag, and I'd go down and see what, what, how we can help. And so you'd be standing by a wall. I wouldn't have uh, n- nothing on me that would say I was a pastor, mm. but I would be standing by people standing by a wall, and you start talking to people, and then they'd ask you who you are. I said, "Well, I'm a pastor up here," and then we would talk, and then everything was centered around the Methodist Church, which is very close to where Grenfell was. And then I walked up to the pastor there and said, "Listen, is there anything I can do?" And he said to me, and he was tired. I always remember pastor Mike Long. He would work so hard. He said, "He said, do you mind just standing at the door?" Of my church and telling people that they can't come in anymore. And I said, "Okay." So what happened was that the community were bringing so much stuff. You, you if you had mm. pictures of it, I got some pictures. The churches were full; mm. they, you couldn't have a service. They were full of stuff. There was so much generosity. And I remember he said, um, "He said, can you stand here and just tell people they can't come in?" And I stood at the door, and the first person that came to me was actually a black guy, big black guy, really nice guy. And I, and I was looking at him coming towards me. I thought, like, "Oh no, I've got to tell him." No, and I, you know, and he came with some really generous and I said, Listen, I'm really, really sorry, but we're really packed and I really can't allow you to come into church, whatever. And he was nice, he said, Look, look I understand. He said, I've been to a few places whatever. And so I did that for about an hour. Pastor comes out and says, Paul, thank you so much for this. Had first time I'd met him, and then we ended up talking about choirs. And he said, Oh, one day maybe you should bring your choir to come and to come and sing at my church. I said, Yeah, we'd love to. So anyway, I went away. Um, a week, um, a week later, um, I was at my church. It was, um, five o'clock and then the phone It was after the church, about six and the phone rang and this guy rang and he said, and he said, hi, my name's Mike. He said, um, I need you to go to somewhere where, where are you? I'm at church. He said, go into your office. He said, because Simon Cowell is going to ring you in a few minutes. And I went, what? He said, yeah, Simon Cowell is going to ring in a few minutes and he put the phone down on me. No, he said this. He said, and if he doesn't ring you, give me a call back and I will ring him. And so I called Miroslav, one of my one of my guys from my church, and we sat in the office, put it on answer, uh, waited until the call came. The call came, and this is what they said. It was his office, actually. And his office said, we are looking for a community choir. We only want a community choir from the Notting Hill area. And we've discovered through this pastor that you are the only choir of people from the local area. Can you come and sing on our single... Bridge Over Troubled Waters, which which ended up being the number one song for the order, Uh, lots of pop stars and everybody was singing on it. Um, I'm old, so it was like a Live Aid uh, single, so to speak. And so our choir was asked to come and sing on this. So, but we started the choir so many years before. We didn't plan it for this occasion, but we were placed there. And that's why I'm talking about this partnership with God, that God had, I didn't know this, but it was all planned and we were there at this right time to be there and we just—we were the community choir and they adopted us and, and the community adopted us. And then every time there was events, there was the Charity Shield football match between Arsenal and Chelsea, two teams I dislike, and we were on the Wembley football pitch. The choir was on Wembley football pitch singing at halftime there. And how did we get there? If I tried to get there myself, these doors, I would have never got in. But God opened them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've noticed about ministry is that um, that God opens so much and we just got to go in and, and be who God has made us to be and then go home and think, wow, because we could never do it on our own.
0: Or well, if there was ever inspiration... Inspirational story, this is the one, definitely. <laughs> so thanks a lot for, for sharing that. But it's just now that we have to go to this second part also, the conversation, and it's always like, you know, I, I feel like whenever pastors are sharing the best experiences, we have to bring it down in a way. And to talk about different uh, angle so to say different area of pastoral ministry and that is once the challenges come so Mm -hmm. it's great when we hear the great stories and you know we all want to do great stuff but very often it happens in the ministry that people hit the wall so to say and then they have to figure out how to continue you know their ministry and life after that so what would you say you know when especially young person finishing studies you know going all enthusiastic into ministry maybe for the first time facing something like this, what would be your advice? How to how to you know go through Well that? if I was if I was a young
1: person going into ministry and someone told me what I'm about to tell you, I wouldn't go into ministry. So I'm not doing it to that. I'm just telling you what it's like. The hardest part of ministry is warfare. I became very much aware of, you know, spiritual warfare, this idea that whatever you're doing that the devil, that there is this force that doesn't want you to do it. There are, God is, God is giving us everything to resource and he wants everybody not to be condemned. He's not judgmental. He wants them all to come to Jesus Christ. But there is this opposite force that will create the obstacles to that and will just make it that you can't happen. That can't happen. And so I will tell you that I've had some amazing, uh, highs in ministry. And almost immediately, almost like an Elijah Mount Carmel Carmel experience, immediately afterwards, just when you're sitting there basking in the glory, comes the opposite. Mm. Um, So I can tell you, um, I won't tell you the stories, but in the height of a choir experience, something happened the day afterwards which which put you on the floor. And the thing is, is um, the horrible reality is that the enemy is inside. We often think about the enemy is outside and we have this um, exclusive language of us on the inside and uh, and then people on the outside, that the people that betray you or the people right next to you or the people you don't trust or the people, whatever, um, is, is it's inside and it, and it, and it breaks and it breaks. And once that breaks, it then hinders the process. It's like, you're going well. You and I, four of us are going very well. And then one of us doubts each other. And then, so now the energy, all the energy it takes, because I realized that you, only have, you can only work two ways. Either we're building things up, or either we're bringing things down. We can't do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So now this break is now becomes, I'm not talking about ministry. I'm not talking about how to build. I'm now, how do we repair or how do we, um, um, how, how do we make this relationship better? And sometimes it's impossible. Sometimes it's, and then you spend all this energy on it. It's negative energy and you're mm. angry and you, you feel as though you can't express that because you have got the pastor and you spoke oh, and really you feel like, Oh, you're angry and you want to go forward. And, and I think the devil's been very clever in that because it does hinder the process. It, it, it puts you off track. Mm. So that, that is the reality of it. Mm. But there is, there is other beauties I will share with you. If you, if, if, if you, If you want, the the beauty is the same thing. The beauty is that, you know, you and I can sit in a room with a few people and we can dream and we can dream and we can say, I want a church that is safe. I want a church that is Bible-based. I want a church where God's arms are always wide open. I want a church where no perfect people are allowed. I want a church where we care, but when I speak to my people, we don't just care; we overcare. I want a church where people say, um, "I didn't know church could be like this." I want a church where, when church is over, people don't want to leave the church, and and that is. And I can tell you that was my dream, and I can also tell you that I'm living that dream.
2: Mm.
0: So there is there is light at the end of the tunnel, so to say, even even when those moments come. Uh, like yeah,
1: there is like light. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There is there is light in the tunnel. Depends what when you wanna, what you want to look at. Um, there is that. That's the beautiful. I think that's a beautiful thing of ministry. Mm. Uh, is that God will just won't, despite the fight, God won't let it die. Mm. If mm. you if you have a heart for Him, you you will, you know that you'll win at the end. But I think you win incrementally as you as you go along. Mm. Because I'm not the pastor of Kennington Community Fellowship. I'm not the pastor. Of London Live. I am the pastor of the hub, but there are these relationships within people within the community um, that will that will never die, that you have to continually build on because people believed in you.
0: Paul, mm-hmm. well, thank you so much for sharing all of that today. And for those of you who are listening and who are watching this program, I'm hoping that uh, many things that you have been able to hear today are going to support you on your journey on exploring the best way how you can. Answer that, that desire, calling, however you want to de- define it uh, in, in your heart, to somehow express your love for God uh, for the people ar- around you. Paul, thanks a lot for being with us today. No problem. Can I just say one more thing? Absolutely, please. Yeah. If,
1: you, if anybody wants to reach me, not just because of the book, but because anybody is hurting, um, please picking up the pieces, LTD at gmail.com. Picking up the pieces ltd all lowercase at gmail.com if you need prayer um if you want to talk about uh, your brokenness whatever
0: you want to talk about please come and please come there thank you for sharing that all also thank you very much paul all right well until the next time i'm hoping that you're going to have great days and and may god bless you all bye bye